Relax. You're quite safe here. <laughs> Good evening, and welcome to Rock Strikes! Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, whether you're doing it at cnjradio.com or you're subscribed and leaving a nice comment on iTunes, which always, always makes my week because I just got another recent one and it was awesome. Uh, but yeah, thank you for never missing one single episode. Those of you out there who that applies to. And it has been two weeks since I put out a show, despite the fact that I did 21 shows in 21 days and then I did the Paul's Boutique episode recently. Uh, but you know, once again, I had some health issues and work's been crazy, so it's just life, you know. So, uh, speaking of life, you can't have that without death. It's inevitable, and as a lot of you longtime friends of the show may know, it's definitely time for another batch of The Fallen of 2014. We've done one of these already this year, and since I went and did all those Kiss shows and things like that, I mean, they've just been adding up. So, we have enough for two parts. So, the next two shows you're going to get. Uh, just a couple of days apart from each other, not too long, so you won't have to wait very much. But this is going to be Volume 2 of The Fallen of 2014. And as it always dictates, when it comes to deaths in music, or at least notable deaths in my opinion, uh, it, it definitely leans in the eccentric, schizophrenic of genres and all this other stuff. You know how it goes for you longtime friends, so let's just get down to it. Uh, first notable death here since I've done a death show occurred on February 24th of this year. Yes, it's been that long since I've done one. And we're going to talk about a guy named Frank Beecher, or Franny Beecher as he was known. He was a guitar player, lead guitarist actually, uh, in Bill Haley and the Comets, most notably. He worked with some other people as well. Uh, but not only did he play for one of the real first rock and roll bands... Like, as far as just rock and roll, four on the floor, you know, no blurred lines of jazz and blues. I mean, they really are a product of the 50s, and really nothing prior to that. Bill Haley and the Comets, so important. At one time, considered like public enemies. I mean, riots would break out at shows. Even a film that they were attached to, Blackboard Jungle, played Rock Around the Clock, riots in the theaters, and afterwards police having to be, you know, uh, overtime to make sure the kids didn't do it in other towns. I mean, that's what rock and roll was. It was dangerous. Bad, bad, and dangerous to know. And Franny Beecher was definitely a part of that. And he got his due in 2012 because he did get inducted with the rest of the Comets into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Bill Haley was actually inducted on his own. Uh, but then they finally righted the wrong, just like what they did with the E Street Band this year and put the rest of the band in there as they deserved. So, Franny, definitely important. Actually, my favorite Bill Haley song is uh, almost kind of, I guess, kind of considered a novelty record at this point. It's funny, but I love it, and it always puts me in a good mood. And the reason I'm playing this to represent Franny is because he had a knack for having a very high-pitched voice. And he would make the band laugh, and they're like, we got to put that on a record somewhere. So they finally did it with this song. And it's one of my faves, so I think this kicks off the show just right. This is Bill Haley in the comments with... See you later, alligator! Well, I 
saw my baby walking with another man today. She told me There you go, kicking off the show here today. The great Bill Haley in the comments, and that was for, of course, the late Franny Beecher. Lived to be 92 years old and died of natural causes. We should all be so lucky, right? <laughs> or maybe at least die while you're um, doing it at 90. I don't know. Uh, but, yes, thank you. Logan's here, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, everybody. What's up? Thanks, Logan. I, I, I wanted him here on the show because uh, we've always kind of... Had a fascination with the deads yeah, whenever they happen and what kind of cultural impact they're going to have on on the public, really. And, you know, just things like that. We've been doing that since the record store days. Like, you know, we'd go on billboard.com when we open up. Like, oh, did anybody die this anybody week? Die? I remember stuff like the, like the Laura Branigan death and us actually having to be like, should we bring in a best of Laura Branigan? You die? know, Did she die? I don't, are people going to care? You know, I was, I'm always fascinated by that. And uh, so I've I've really never stopped, and this show proves it. Uh, the next guy we're going to talk about here, and I'm going to see if Logan has any uh, personal reference for some of these hits, uh, is a guy by the name of Peter Callender, songwriter and uh, producer from, from Britain. And he had two... I mean, he wrote a lot of hits 
uh, especially stuff that was, you know, bigger over in England, like stuff for the Tremolos and Cliff Richard and people like that. Uh, but he wrote two huge songs, especially in the 70s. And in America, man, like, I, I can only imagine that you could never escape these two songs when they were huge. And that was Billy Don't Be a Hero and The Night Chicago Died. Both came out in the same year. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, you know, those two songs were recorded by the same band, uh, Paper Lace, but the bigger version of Billy Don't Be a Hero was the one by Bo Donaldson and the Haywoods. But the fact that Paper Lace actually recorded both of them I thought was interesting, but they didn't have a hit with both of them. I mean, I'm sure their version did okay, but as it dictates, if that ever happened back in the day, only one person was going to make it. You know, I think Here Comes My Baby. Cat uh, Stevens, I think, had the bigger hit with it, not the Tremolos, maybe in America at yeah. least. But uh, the Paper Lace, The Night Chicago Died, I mean, they still play that every day on the old East Station. It's it's a big deal. So that's the song we're going to play to represent Peter Callender. Logan, do you have any... Uh, uh, do, you, do you have an opinion <laughs> one way or the other about The Night Chicago Died? <laughs> Uh, is it is it one of those songs you actually still kind of like don't change the channel, yeah. or do you intend it satirically? No, um, yeah, I'm 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 totally fine, totally fine with the song. I'm yeah. I'm, I'm good with it. I would like to note that uh, Agnetha from ABBA also recorded one of his songs in oh, 2005. Okay, uh, for some record that she did back in. You know that that was all just like nineteen sixties classic pop tunes. Oh, okay, like a- post ABBA though, yeah, right? Post ABBA, yeah, yeah. two thousand five. So. Oh yeah, I see that two thousand five. Yeah. She recorded a full MI, which yeah. was a Celia Black hit. Yeah. that he wrote. So that's good. I like that's, that. That's a good one. You get a good ABBA tie-in from Logan. He's yeah, always good go. for that. I, I love that about him. <laughs> okay, so yeah, th- is, it, is it one of those songs? See, for me, the night Chicago died. If I hear it, even just for a second. That damn thing's gonna be in my head all day. Yeah. Is that, is that happen yeah, with you? Yeah, you just don't turn it off. You just let it let it roll. Yeah. Let it roll and and have a good time with it. Yeah, it's, it's a good time. So if you haven't had this happen to you in a while, then it's probably going to now because I'm playing the damn original. So here you go. Four, Peter Callender. This is Paper Lace with The Night Chicago Died. summer night in the land of the dollar bill when the town of Chicago died and they talk about it still when a man named Al Capone tried to make that town his own and he called his gang to war with the forces of the law I heard my mom cry I heard her pray the night Chicago died Chicago died Brother, what a night the people saw Brother, 
the sound of the battle rang Through the streets of the old east side Till the last of the hoodlum gang Had surrendered up or died They were shouting in the street And the sound of running feet And I asked someone who said About a hundred cups a day I heard my mama cry No sound at all But the clock upon the wall Then the door burst open wide And my daddy stepped inside And he kissed my mama's face And he brushed her tears away The night Chicago died Lordy B, that was The Night Chicago Died by Paper Lace. Uh, I mentioned this while the song was playing to Logan. You know, I really, truly believe, uh, of course, since it was written to be performed by someone else, that could have just as easily wound up, you know, with the suite or the Bay City Rollers. Same arrangement, uh, totally could have been one of their songs, too. Tell me if I'm wrong. Joey at cnjradio.com. Uh, the next guy we're going to talk about here. And I'm just kind of throwing this one out at Logan because I didn't tell him in advance. Sometimes I just like the initial reaction. Uh, we're going to talk about a guy named Frankie Sardo. Now, Frankie died just the other night. Some say it was suicide. No, I'm just kidding. No no, no one with the show on this one. So Frankie Sardo, February 26, 2014 of this year, he was 77, and he died of cancer. This guy must have been super young because... You know, we were just talking about Franny Beecher earlier. Compared to this guy, as far as fame, I mean, you know, Franny's Elvis. But Frankie, uh, he's got a really important distinction in rock history. Now, he wasn't a superstar by any means, but he was an Italian rock singer. And he opened the show in Clear Lake, Iowa, for Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, and the Big Bopper the night before they died. And uh, that's all you really need to know about him. I mean, that's... He survived that's, the night the music died. Yeah, we were just talking about the night Chicago died. Now we're talking about the <laughs> the day the music died. Frankie is a part of that history. Sort of like, wasn't Waylon Jennings a part of that touring troupe? It was like Merle Haggard or Waylon Jennings. I think it was Waylon. Because he wound up on the bus. Uh, I think that's what happened. I, but know, anyway, yeah. We'll, we'll figure this out while we're playing the song. Uh, Frankie did have a minor hit. It was his second single that came out uh, around 1958. 
and uh, we're gonna, I'm going to play it for you right now here because uh, maybe you hadn't heard of this guy until today. I know when I was doing my research, I didn't know anything about him until this. So uh, you and me both. So here you go. This is Frankie Sardo with uh, his only regional hit, Fake Out. I went to my girl and I said, hey, Betty Lou, I hear you've been playing around with someone new. She looked at me with a gleam in her eye. She said, why shouldn't I? Oh, what a fake I said, Betty Lou, you make me feel sad You sit there laughing while I'm seeming mad She looked at me with her eyes so cruel She said, man, play it cool Oh, what a fake out Oh, yeah, what a fake out Man, what a fake out Oh, yeah, a fake out now I let her go and I know I did right She'll have another date before tonight You'll call her on the phone and you'll say his love is true And she'll say, good for you Oh, what a fake out Oh, man, what a fake out Man, what a fake out Oh, yeah, a fake And I said, that's too bad Oh, what a fake out Oh, yeah, what a fake out Man, what a fake out Oh, yeah, a fake out Man, what a fake out All right, there you go, that was Frankie Sardo with Fake Out, which, uh, as Logan was saying off the air, fits that era to a T. Uh, definitely in that kind of Everly Brothers, uh, you know, I'm not sure if, if they were influenced by that or not, you know, besides just all the regular country music they grew up on. But I think between Frankie and this next one, we're going as about as obscure as humanly possible here. We're going deep. And this isn't even like anything that was a hit over here. This guy, this next guy was a one-hit wonder in England. Uh, he died on March 5th of this year. Uh, they don't say how he died. So, I mean, this is, like I said, pretty obscure. Uh, but I thought it was from a really interesting era. Uh, he came from England in the era, like, right between Cliff Richard and the Beatles and the British Invasion stuff. He's kind of stuck in the middle there. Uh, but in May 1960, this guy Dave Sampson uh, and his band The Hunters had a number 29 peak on the UK <laughs> singles chart with this song, which did get picked up by Columbia later on and, and had a little bit of a run. But yeah, like I said, officially he is a one-hit wonder. Uh, but I, I like the song, so I just wanted to include it on here. So from 1960, this is Dave Sampson and the Hunters with Sweet Dreams. <laughs> 
Baba baby have sweet dreams Till the morning comes I told you Yeah baby I told you I told you I hold you In your dreams tonight Yeah so hold on baby Hold on tight Safety through the night Squeeze that pillow Whisper low Good night darling I love you so Have sweet dreams Baba baby Have sweet dreams Baba honey Have sweet dreams Till the morning comes There you go. That was Dave Sampson for you. Dave Sampson and the Hunters. That was Sweet Dreams. And there you go. Like I said, a lot of obscurities here. Uh, I think we're going to have like one more massive obscurity to play. Uh, but the rest of this, um, I think you're going to recognize a lot more. And uh, so let's pick up the pace here a little bit. We're going to talk about a guy named Burren Fowler. Uh, and he's he's one of those guys kind of in the background. Uh, but uh, Oh, yeah. Sorry. B-U-R-E-N. F O W L E R. Birth name was James Van Buren Fowler. So he was middle name Van Buren. Yeah, like the president. Right? There's a president <laughs> Van Buren, right? Wasn't there? Okay. Yeah. 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 Right. Uh, Monaco. Monaco. Uh, yes. <laughs> Buren Fowler. Uh, like I said, kind of a background guy. He was a guitar tech and touring guitar player for REM in '86 and '87. Uh, but what you may know him for uh, is a band called Driving and Crying, which. Yay. I remember driving and crying, like really. I mean, they had a record. They had a couple of records out before the '90s, but once that '91 came around, right at the top of '91, and I still remember to this day, I was still watching Dial MTV on a daily basis. And then one day I'm watching it, and all of a sudden there's a new band debuting at number one, <laughs> and it was Driving and Crying with Fly Me Courageous. And I was just like, where did these guys come from? And I always thought that the singer kind of sounded a little bit like uh, Chris Robinson of the yeah. Black Crows. And I guess for good reason, they they both came from Georgia. And I guess you know there was that thing where it's like, okay, it's the new wave of rock and roll from Georgia because REM kind of kicked that off, really. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was like, 
Georgia Satellites, and then we get into Black Crows, Driving and Crying. And so Driving and Crying was supposed to be huge. They there were gonna... a, there, there was actually a, a really good scene down down in Georgia too, with you know going a little bit further further out the DBs and oh yeah and, DBs are yeah, a great band, fantastic band. But I mean you know it, it was that it was that that line between you know sort of that country rock sound and what was the at the time emerging college rock sound before they decided to pen alternative to that so that sounds like uh, driving a crime fit right right in that 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 line you know they were on the fence they could have gone either way I, I think the the AOR and alternative stations both both fed right into those yeah, I think possibly one of the things that led to Driving and Crying not just becoming huge superstars is because I think they were trying they the maybe the label didn't commit to one format or yeah. the other as it pertained to them. Like we're going to send them to the alternative stations, right. but we're also going to send them to the rock stations, like just yeah. rock. Yeah. And I guess they were kind of stuck in the middle. That they was kind of their absolutely. downfall. Yeah, yeah, I, I I would agree with that completely. Yeah. So, uh they were too too hard or it's too southern rock for alternative stations but then too alternative for rock stations yeah so if that makes sense yeah and that's that's happened quite a bit sadly and i remember you know if you know anything about me on the show uh, i'm always kind of a champion of the second or third single that didn't really get that break that that first one because you're always going to have that first one to remember and for driving and crying it's fly me courageous uh, but one of the follow-up singles on that album, I really like it. So that's the one I'm going to choose to represent Burren here. So here you go. This is Driving and Crying with Build a Fire.
right, there you go. Maybe you hadn't heard that in a little over 20 years, but that was Driving and Crying with Build a Fire, which was, I think, the second single from the Fly Me Courageous record in 91. That sounds right. Uh, Really no reason given uh, officially that I've seen. Uh, They just said he had been having some health problems and he had multiple physical issues and he died in his sleep on March 8th of this year. Very sad. So rest in peace, Burr and Fowler. Good stuff there. You left a good mark there. Uh, moving on, we're going back to the 60s, but a different kind of 60s. We're into your late 60s, uh, you know, garage rock, psychedelic era. Uh, a band that's actually a one and done called The Monks. And if you've heard anything by them, because, I mean, of course, if you go on their Wikipedia page, you're going to see uh, people that uh, say they are influences from your Jack Whites to The Fall which, as Logan said, that's a that's a massive stretch. Huge gap. <laughs> Big gap. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I said, one and done band. Yeah, they had a they had a one album in 1966 called Black Monk Time, and uh, it's this guy Gary Berger who was the guitar player and vocalist for the Monks, and this is, it says that they formed, uh, you know, as GIs in Germany. Uh, it's interesting. I mean, they definitely sound... If I had to guess where this band was from just listening to them, because as Logan also noted, this definitely could have been on the Nuggets box set easily. Uh, easily. Slightly avant for sure, even more so than your average garage rock band. Uh, to me, this is as close to like Frank Zappa as it is to the Stooges. So kind of in the middle there, you're going to find the Monks. So here's one for you. This is the Monks with Shut Up.
All right, there you go. That was the Monks, uh, apparently the very influential Monks, with Shut Up on their one-and-done album, Black Monk Time. Logan is now just realizing that's not the first time he's heard that song, even though that's, I guess, the first time he's heard the original. And I mentioned The Fall before we played the track. So you've actually heard this song on a Fall record. They covered this song. Yeah, it was apparently on Extricate, which was a kind of an obscure record for the fall because they were experimenting a lot at the time but they they didn't even call it shut up they call it black monk theme part one but then they had another song on the record that you know they they called it black monk theme part two wow so they're big fans (laughs) apparently big fans wow yeah i mean it's hard to really pinpoint especially at that time i'm sure people had no idea what to do with this band and that's probably another reason why they didn't really pursue it afterwards so yeah correction hmm. shut up was actually on middle class revolt the 94 record i was thinking of the other <laughs> the other covers yeah, the they, other did covers of the they did because apparently that's the only band that covers a whole bunch of monks the tunes. monks <laughs> yeah they could have done side gigs just yeah. doing monks covers <laughs> right uh yeah what i think i saw them in 2000 the, the fall that is yeah not, not of course the monks but even though they were still active as a band, um, but they could have done a, a, an entire show of the Monks, and I'm not sure that I would have recognized it any any less. <laughs> yeah, and this guy Gary Berger, who um, he died March 14th, the day after my birthday uh, of oh. this year. Yeah, he was 71 years old. He died of pancreatic cancer. Uh, weirdly enough, our first cancer casualty on this part, which usually it's just a cancer fest. Uh, but what an interesting life this guy Gary Berger had, you know, besides just being in the Monks, you know, and the fact that he was a GI in Germany, and that's where he met the band. After the band, uh, he goes to college. Then he winds up digging septic tanks. Then he was elected mayor of Turtle River, Minnesota in 2006, which is where he lived for the rest of his life. So garage rock band, GI, septic tank digger, Mayor, <laughs> don't ever say that you can't do whatever you want in this country if you try hard enough. You know, Dream, even just dreams becoming, do come true. I mean, it's kind of a, yeah. It, even if you can be mayor of a town that no one's ever heard of, it's possible. Population, like, like not everybody can be president, but if you try hard enough, you can probably become the mayor. That, that's all. That's all I got to say about that. So, <laughs> population of Turtle River. What's what, what's what would that be? A population? Oh, okay. You want me to click on that? Yeah, click on that. Uh, let's see. 77. <laughs> 77. As, as of four years ago, their census was taken in 2010, and they came up with 77 people. 77 people. I'd like to be the mayor of 77 people at one yeah, time in my life. Yeah, that'd be pretty life. easy. Yeah, you could, you could, you could run things. Push your weight around. Yeah. All right. Uh, from uh, super proto-punk garage obscure bands to... Uh, one of the first ever punk bands, or at least the ones that get the stamp, the Stooges. Yes, we have to talk about the Stooges and death again. Yet again, uh, Scott Ashton uh, has left us now, and damn, man. I mean, his brother uh, went a few years ago, uh, and they've been, you know, keep sort of keep the Stooges going without him. Now, I just, I really don't see a point. I don't see a point in the Stooges continuing uh, I guess that's why, you know, Iggy's kind of back to being a solo artist. Yeah. I, I don't really blame him. 
Uh, it was, you know, the, the the one thing that I thought was neat, I think one of the only cool things about the Stooges reunion, because I've been a harsh critic of the material and stuff, but the fact that Mike Watt was in the band, I thought was kind of super was cool. cool. Uh, but moving back to Scott Ashton here, uh, great drummer, uh, just one of those guys, just, you know, it, it's hard to talk about drummers, especially ones that aren't like technical Neil Peart kind of guys. He He kept the beat going, and it was a cool fucking beat. It had a great kind of sex groove to it, and that's really all you want in, in your rock and roll, at least for me. Uh, so I'm going to play this song. I think this is a good representation of his playing. Yeah. And, of course, how can you go wrong with the Funhouse record? Uh, a song that is also known as I Feel Alright, but officially on Funhouse, it's called 1970. So here you go.
All right, there. That was for the late great Scott Ashton. Uh, what an amazing small amount of influential albums he played on, but nonetheless, uh, he is very missed. Died of a heart attack uh, on March 15th uh, at the age of 64. Very sad. He actually, uh, they, they said that he suffered a severe stroke about three years ago after they uh, the Stooges played the Hellfest Festival, uh, and he, he never went back. So the last gig he played was pretty much almost exactly three years ago now. Very sad. Uh, but yeah, there you go. That was for Scott. Moving on here, we're going to do one more massive obscurity and then close out with some fun stuff here. I'm going to talk about a guy named Arthur Guitar Boogie Smith. Yeah, that's a name. And, you know, just I, I'm always fascinated with the early part of rock and roll where you could actually have a hit with an instrumental and just be a guitar player. And that's all it really took. You know, I miss it. It, it was simple. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I saw this guy listed here. I had honestly never heard of him before, uh, but I, I picked up uh, his biggest hit here called Guitar Boogie. So like I said, I like it, so that's what you're going to hear. So this is for Arthur Smith. This is Guitar Boogie. Yeah, I talked about uh, the quote-unquote American dream on the show earlier, and I think that fits pretty well for Arthur Guitar Boogie Smith there, uh, if you go to his wiki page. I just like the first sentence here. 
Arthur Smith was a textile mill worker who became a celebrated and respected country music instrumental composer, guitarist, fiddler, and banjo player with his major hit, Guitar Boogie. Like I said, I just love it when you could have an instrumental as a hit on like the rock charts. Uh, but good stuff there. I enjoyed it, and I think that's kind of... Uh, it, that that would be comfortable on a compilation with like a Ventures song, you know, uh, Dick Dale, that kind of stuff. So there you go. That was for Arthur Guitar Boogie Smith. He died 93 years old, April 3rd this year. Probably of natural causes, I'm betting. Uh, yeah, so good stuff there. I, I liked it. And these last two are going to be huge. Uh, man, the biggest one this year, in, in my opinion, one of the bigger deaths uh, and... Uh, really made himself an icon, especially in the world of metal, uh, is a guy named Dave Brockie. I, I love the fact, by the way, if you just look up any info about him, you know, you see his full birth name is David Murray Brockie. There you go, Dave Murray. Dave Murray. Little Iron Maiden there for you. He would appreciate that. Um, yeah, I didn't know he was Canadian either. I, I mean, like, you think Guar... Yes. Canadian. Yeah, you think Guar, it's like, this is a product of the Midwest. Like, you know, th- those bands like Slipknot nowadays and stuff like that, it comes out of the Midwest and being bored off your ass and just putting this amazing thing together. Um, you know, I, I never, I don't know if I've asked you this. I'm sure I have. Logan, uh, come up here. Yeah, get, yeah. get up here on the mic here. Ha- did you ever get to see the Guar live? Yeah, yeah, I saw them several, several times. They, uh, they they put on some of the, the the most fun shows that you'd ever seen. If you had never seen it, any of their stuff, it's it, you know their performances. Then it's very well documented as far as the, the the parodies and and the extremity that that they'll go to to do that 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 shock rock. Yeah, uh, it's it, you know it, it can have everyone from Sarah Palin, Osama bin Laden. To Barack Obama. To Barack like, Obama. I saw, I mean, it, like, they, they had an album called We Kill Everything. Uh, they're not kidding. I mean, they, they're... They kill everything. They can have, it's like they can have political commentary, but they don't hang their hat anywhere. That That's what's Never. fun about Gore. If you hate the news on a daily basis, go see a Gore show. They're going to kill everybody on everybody. stage that, you hear, that you're sick of hearing about, whether you love them or you hate them. Yeah. Uh, so killing everybody from Hitler to... To, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Hitler and Jesus. They killed yeah, Jesus yeah, on stage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they 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 put on some of the most entertaining shows that that you'd ever seen. Um, you know, I. How many times did you see them? Uh, Was it just one? Probably or? probably not enough. I mean, you saw them fun 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 fest, right? Yeah, I saw them three three or four times. Yeah, uh, that, that's three you know, or four more than me. I never got to see them. They they were, it was it was a blast. You know, I yeah. I did I actually knew that. They have a splatter zone. Yeah, yeah, like 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 Gallagher. Yeah, <laughs> Gallagher, Shamu, and Guar all have splatter zones, and so you know, it, you know, I, I I didn't want blood on my shirt or the the, the fake blood, but yeah. they, Th- those guys that will actually go yeah. to like a you know like a Walmart or Kmart before the show buy a Hanes white T-shirt, right. Just to wear it to Guar, and, and to see what kind of tie-dyed fiasco it's going to yeah. turn into at the end, because it always did. And they they were they were so cool with other bands too, you know. I, I on on that fun 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 fest, I guess it must have been 2010 or 11, something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. They uh, they one of one of the guys. It wasn't it wasn't Brocky, 
but it was one of the other guys from from Guar that came out during one of the um, uh, municipal waste sets and they they sprayed blood and it, it was a, it was a lot of fun. But I mean, nice. it Brocky's ideal of the band filtered all the way through everybody in 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 the group itself, and you know, it wasn't just wasn't just one guy with a vision even though he was the guy but he was so infectious in the way that his his perception of the way of their performance rock yeah he like basically put together a theater yeah. troupe yeah and that it could was, play it was metal fantastic stuff man yeah it was so much fun yeah so much fun it was this was a huge huge uh, death for for just music period yeah I I love the way that Gwar brought together the punk rockers and the metal guys yeah. and i don't think that's nearly said enough because both both sides could really appreciate them and fox and, news yeah, and fox news <laughs> that it's just uh i don't think that's what's said enough because you know the the atypical guar fan you know the imaging is like your beavis and butthead type which there's nothing wrong with that no. actually my my biggest gore story is probably just buying the beavis and butthead video game on super nintendo the object of the game, the only way you could beat the game is that you, you go through all these levels and you cause shenanigans and you have to take a picture to prove that you did it. So this is really ahead of its time. Pix- I had no p- idea about this game. Yeah, Pixar, it didn't happen. And that's what the whole game is. The last stage is that you're backstage at a concert venue and the ultimate goal now is you have to get a picture of Beavis and Butthead on stage with Gwar. That's how you beat the game. <laughs> How amazing is that? And at the very that's, end, that's pretty cool. There's the photo, and there's the whole no band, idea. and there's Odorous up there with the rest of the guys animated. It, wow. It's awesome. I gotta find a. I'm sure there's a screenshot of that somewhere. There's gotta be. Uh, but yeah, just I could talk all day about Gore, but let's let's yeah. Uh, yeah. remember them with some music. And yeah, I'm gonna get a little somber here. I've, I've played some Gore on the show before. One of my favorites, Sick of You. I, I could have played that, uh, but I think the most introspective song they ever had, even though it still had that gore attitude. And I'm sure they composed this as being a complete parody. But I think the music on here is great. So to uh, memorialize Dave, this is Gwar with The Road Behind. R.I.P. Brocky.
part at the end where he just goes sad whale baby it's a sad whale song whatever the hell that means i know what a whale song is it's just that's just where where did he come up with that that was uh, guar and um you know the the way that dave set up guar we don't know if the band will continue or not the way it's designed is they can continue it will be very interesting to find out what they do with it like uh uh yeah you know i don't know is the will the character retire and will they bring in a new character that that could be done too but there could just be a brand new odors that would that's some big shoes to fill we'll see what happens because like i said they set it up like kiss to where uh this this band can go on if they choose to so we'll, we'll see what happens with them so uh there you go i 
Uh, also, uh, you know, not that they were the first band to do this, but I appreciated the fact, especially uh, that that song was from America Must Be Destroyed, 1991, I want to say. Yeah. Uh, they did a video for every song and put it out on a home video. Like, Devo kind of invented that format, and then later on it was like Green Jelly and then Gwar. But, like, I, I love when bands do that. They, they made the album an entire experience for you to check out. So And... and Rightfully so for a band so visual as Gore, but yeah. All right. That being said, like I said, I could talk all day about Gore, but uh, yeah, it's good stuff there. <sighs> all right, Logan. Yes. This has been, as the Fallen shows always go, a pretty somber show, and I always try to figure out a place to have fun. Let Let's just do it here at the end. Okay, let's have fun. Uh, a guy who is not known in any way as a musician. Nope. This is a slight cheat. But I wanted to do it because this guy was so important to my life, especially growing up. We're going to talk about Harold Ramis. Now, most people probably know Harold Ramis, but, you know, just in case. Yeah, he was a writer, actor, director. Uh, he was a comedy guy. He came from Second City and all that kind of stuff. Of course, he's best known as Egon from the Ghostbusters, and rightfully so. But, yeah, it's like a great writer, great director. Uh, he had a massive hand and uh, another one of the all-time great comedies, Caddyshack. And uh, no, even though I love the song, I'm not going to play I'm Alright. Uh, but another one that he... I don't think people really say Harold Ramis when they think of this movie. He was the director and he actually had a small part in the movie Vacation. And uh, I've been looking for an excuse to play this song on the show. And, you know, it's funny, the original is not anywhere to get on iTunes. And I uh, sadly did not have the record, uh, but I thought this was a fun way to memorialize Harold. I'm going to play you something here by Lindsey Buckingham. (laughs) And, yes, I'm going to play Holiday Road. But like I said, the original kind of nowhere to be found, and I don't have, uh, you know, I didn't ask anybody for it in advance. I was searching, just in case. I was like, maybe it's on iTunes. So I type in the song, and I go to iTunes. And the song is on there, and it's by Lindsey Buckingham, albeit, and I never knew that he ever did this, a live version. (laughs) A a little, uh, a couple of years ago, Lindsey came to Fort Worth, which I had no idea that he did, and played a gig at Bass Hall. Now, Bass Hall is like our big opera house in Fort Worth, Texas. He's played smaller places. And yeah, I know. Yeah, he has played smaller places. But he came to Bass Hall, where yeah. you know, if I'm going there, it's probably a comedian or something, or uh, <laughs> you know, or uh, you know, we're gonna play John Williams tonight or some shit. I saw Stomp there once too. I saw Stomp and George Carlin there. You saw there. Stomp? Yeah, like 15 years ago. Uh, but yeah, he played Bass Hall. I wish I could have gone to the gig because I saw the set list from this show. It's amazing. Also playing like Never Go Back, or Never Going Back Again from uh, Rumors. Love that song. Wow. And uh, you know that cool solo version of Big Love that he does, where he just goes Sweet. crazy on the guitar. Lindsey Buckingham. Just a massively underrated guitar oh. player, the great Lindsey Buckingham. But yeah, for the encore that night, he busts out Holiday Road, oh. and I'm sure to the surprise <laughs> of everybody in the room. And you're going to hear that version. So closing off the show on a really happy, positive note, even though it's uh, for an unfortunate circumstance and the death of Harold Ramis. But let's put a smile on everybody's face. This is Lindsey Buckingham with a live version of Holiday Road.
it on, back it on, back it on. There you go. If you can't go out on a happy high note like that, uh, probably one of the few times we can do that on the fallen episodes of Rock Strikes 10. But that was the great Lindsey Buckingham live in my neck of the woods here, in our neck of the woods, actually, Fort Worth, Texas. That was Holiday Road. Like I said, after a, uh, a whole set of like ballads and really deep Fleetwood Mac and Lindsey Buckingham solo songs, you get that. I'm sure people were just having a blast. That's that's how can you not be in a good mood when Holiday Road comes on? I, I ask you. So yeah, and all the while this was for Harold Ramis who left us on February 24th of this year. Very sad. The guy just a massive contributor to the world of comedy. Uh, you know, over the last 35 years plus. Go look up his bio if you know nothing about him and just you watch everything on his list. I would say Sans Caddyshack too. <laughs> yeah, um, Harold actually he does have a, two small roles in the Vacation movie. Here's a really nerdy fact for you. Uh, Sam Levine taught me this. Uh, whenever there's a cop off screen saying, "Do you want me to take the family away to the police station in Vacation?" That's Harold Ramis, oh. and he's also the voice of the electronic moose outside of Wally World when they say that the park is closed. That's oh. Harold Ramis's voice. All right. We're going to end this show here. This is basically part one of two. Part two will be on just a few days from now. I uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. Please go to cnjradio.com, and you will see links to the Twitter, the Facebook, and the personal email, joey at cnjradio.com. Tell me what you liked and what you didn't like. Uh, please go to iTunes and leave a review on the show. That helps me more than anything at this point. Since I'm not asking for money, please go and write a review on iTunes and rate it. And uh, Logan, any final words? No, we'll see you next time. Yeah, we'll see you on the next one. I'm going to get the mic set up better so Logan can have a better say on the show. So thanks for hanging with me, Logan. Everybody out there, thanks for listening. And uh, we'll see you on the next one. Have fun. Darling, how are you? You might have been a headache But you never were bored I'm awfully glad I met you Cheerio and do Thank mm-hmm. you.